clear communication, quick, decisive action, and a willingness to listen to science. Just some of the accolades these leaders have received for their handling of the coronavirus. And yes, they have one thing in common. These women leaders are showing the world how collaboration, empathy, a focus on evidence, combined with decisiveness, are particularly effective right now. From New Zealand to Iceland to Bangladesh, women have been winning the war against COVID. This is because we are experiencing an unprecedented event, a global pandemic that in New Zealand, we have moved to fight by going hard and going early. In response to the pandemic, have women leaders really produced better national outcomes when compared to their male counterparts? We're celebrating International Women's Day with a special bonus release of State of the World. We'll answer that question with Dr. Supriya Garikipati, Associate Professor at the University of Liverpool and co-author of the globally recognized paper, Leading the Fight Against the Pandemic, Does Gender Really Matter? Enjoy this conversation with Supriya, moderated by Megan Torrey, CEO of the World Affairs Council of Connecticut. This was recorded on March 2nd, 2021, as part of a live celebration in advance of International Women's Day, hosted in partnership with the University of St. Joseph's Women's Leadership Center. This is another exciting International Women's Day event. Supriya is joining us from the UK at a late hour. Um, we are so happy to welcome you. So I want to start with Supriya's work um, because we've all, during this pandemic, heard um, anecdotally about women and their impact and women's leadership impact. Um, and as the author of this seminal work, Leading the Fight Against the Pandemic, Does Gender Really Matter? Can you tell me why you undertook this study with your co-author? I mean, can you explain the goal of the study um, in its ultimate findings? Yes, yeah, sure. Thank you for that, Megan. Uh, and it's an absolute pleasure to be here with you today. Um, now, if you remember the initial months of the pandemic, there was a lot of talk in the media about some of the female leaders and how effectively they were leading their countries during the initial phases of the pandemic. Now, both Uma, my co-author, and I are gender economists. And we sort of got really caught up in this discussion and decided, you know, let's scrutinize this association more systematically. So really the goal of the study became to ask if there was a significant and systematic difference by gender of the national leader in the number of COVID cases and COVID deaths in the initial phases of the pandemic. Of course, our biggest challenge was to identify a methodology or a technique that would make our findings fair and reliable. And here we end up using the matching methodology where we match female-led countries with comparable male-led countries using certain covariates that matter for the transmission and for the of the management of the virus. So really, that was um, essentially the goal of the study. Um, what we found is that women-led countries had significantly better outcomes in terms of fewer COVID cases and COVID deaths than comparable countries led by men. 
And now this finding remained robust to a lot of changes. So we changed the covariates around. We included a lot of other covariates like health expenditure, openness to tourism, gender norms, but our results remained robust. So what explains the results? What sort of actions does the study observe in women leaders? What are they doing differently than their male counterparts? Well, in the study, we explored two main ideas. The first idea is policy. If you remember, there were very few policy instruments that were available to national leaders at the time. Testing was difficult because of the dearth of testing kits globally. So really, the one policy that was available to all national leaders was the policy to lock down. And we uh, find that in our work, female leaders were decisive about locking down their economies. They locked down their economies significantly sooner than comparable male leaders did. To put a number to it, they locked down 24 deaths earlier than their male counterparts, right? So decisiveness of policymaking was one. The second thing that we explore in the work is the style of communication. There is a lot of leadership literature that says communication is quite key for women to be chosen as leaders, but that's not the case So, in, in for men, right? And, and we were very curious to see if the leadership style that women use is distinct and different from that of men, and indeed we find so. We found that women leaders adopted new and experimental styles of leadership and this sort of perhaps induced compliance amongst the citizens. So there are two things really. One is decisiveness and the other is communicating the way female leaders communicated their decisions. These two mattered for the outcomes. Can you talk about some of the other factors that you used to control the study? What were some of the other control factors? Right. Our base model used um, sort of uh, factors that mattered for the transmission and the management of the virus. So really, the base model, we kept quite simple. We included income, which is GDP per capita, and we included demographic variables like population, population density, and population over 65. Then we expanded this model to understand if our results remained robust. And there we included variables like health expenditure. We also considered openness to tourism because that was being um, thought of as one of the contributing factors to the transmission of the virus. And then we also considered gender norms because there was an intuition that countries that elect female leaders are likely to be much more equitable, which might make them, which might put them in a better situation to deal with these kind of uh, emergencies. So we controlled for all these uh, various covariates. Can you share with us some specific examples of policies uh, women leaders deployed that were particularly effective? Right. I mean, I would like to focus on communication because that's what the paper is about. In terms of policy, we've spoken about lockdown already. But I think what was really quite interesting was how women leaders communicated with their citizens during the initial phases of the pandemic and continue to do so even now. So the big examples that come to mind are Jacinda Ardern's use of Facebook Live to check in with her citizens on a daily basis. And then there is Angela Merkel's intuitive explanation of what is actually quite complex science 
in order to uh, make people understand the basis for the decisions that the government was taking. And then there's Erna Solberg's, you know, conference for children where she spoke directly to children. I mean, that can be quite daunting because you never know what children can ask you. But, and that was uh, praised quite a lot because, you know, she actually spoke to them about being worried, being anxious, being fearful. And she sort of quite empathetically communicated to them that it's all right. It's all right to be anxious. It's okay because we are all in it together. So these, these are the examples that come to mind immediately. So another factor that you explore in this study is empathy. Can you explain your findings when it comes to women and female leaders in empathy? Uh, yes, sure. I mean, as I said, you know, female-led countries locked down uh, decisively and significantly sooner than comparable male-led countries. Now, we believe that underlying this decision was empathy. The, the fundamental driver to locking down their economies, and mind you, when they locked down their economies, they were taking significant risk with their economies. The underlying factor to this was empathy. We have extended this work and we are looking at speeches that leaders gave when they were announcing lockdown. And what we find in those speeches is that the reference to empathy, when we study only that one variable, we find that female leaders are twice as likely to use empathetic language when compared to male leaders. Now, there's a whole host of studies, both in um, neuropsychology and in leadership literature, which supports this intuition that, you know, female women are more empathetic than men. To give you one example, studies show that gender differences in empathy are not simply a byproduct of socialization, but actually have underpinning neuropsychological differences between men and women that are driving these differences. So really empathy seems to very much matter. And we believe that it is empathy that drove the policy differences in the initial um, months of the pandemic. So in your introduction of the study, you write that there are very few studies about the impact of a leader's gender during a national crisis, and partly because there are so few female leaders of nations around the, around the world. Do you think that the results of the um, pandemic and your study will change what, uh, what the world looks for in values in their future leaders? I'm not sure about that, maybe, but, uh, but my hope certainly is that, you know, what this study does and what similar studies like this do is to rekindle the debate around what successful leadership means, right? Much of the dominant discourse in the leadership literature has been masculinized, where, you know, so heavily masculinized and Successful leadership is associated with masculine traits like assertiveness, authoritarianism, uh, which has influenced perceptions around how leaders should behave. And women are often asked to lean in and to conform to behavior expected from a leader. Now, these impositions suggest an acceptance of the absolute dominance of these masculinized traits 
which are supposed to be successful, which women must imbibe if they seek to succeed. Now, this research, however, suggests that the right way of looking at successful leadership is more contextual, where certain traits may be better suited to tackling certain situations. And in this case, empathy is one case in point. So I certainly hope this, this research rekindles the debate around you know, what successful leadership means. Excellent. Thank you so much. Do you think that this is a turning point? Is the world going to recognize the powerful impact of women's leadership? I mean, who knows? <laughs> who knows? Certainly, my hope is that uh, the world recognizes the importance of diversity in leadership, not just as a way of signaling equality that has its own value, but as a way to promote efficiency. Now, what our result points to the idea that women's leadership is different. And this different leadership was successful in this particular context, in the context of a pandemic, which posed a very specific kind of challenge, right? And these type of challenges are going to become more common rather than less common. Now, uh, given that challenges that organizations and nations face are going to differ in context and characteristics, it seems quite clear that diversity in leadership will prove to be a major advantage in managing and containing risk. Now, such diversity then is not simply a matter of equity, but it becomes a matter of effectiveness. And I certainly hope the world recognizes the importance of diversity in leadership. Excellent. Thank you so much, Supriya. I want to encourage everyone to read the, the study. Again, it's leading the fight against the pandemic. Does gender really matter? Supriya, please keep up this really important work in contributing to our knowledge of how women can impact the globe. It is so important. And I want to thank everybody for joining us for our celebration of International Women's Day. And don't forget, March is Women's History Month. So let the celebration continue, not just this month, but all throughout the year. That was Dr. Supriya Garikipati, Associate Professor at the University of Liverpool and co-author of the globally recognized paper, Leading the Fight Against the Pandemic, Does Gender Really Matter? For more, don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you're not already, you can follow the World Affairs Council of Connecticut on Twitter and Instagram at CTWAC. And visit our website at ctwac.org to join in future live events or watch past events. We hope you enjoyed this bonus micro episode of State of the World. Until next time, happy International Women's Day.